Thank you for listening to this sermon from Hope Church, Toronto West. It is our prayer that through these audio sermons, you are challenged and transformed by the Word of God, built up in love and faith, and drawn more to the person and work of Jesus Christ. Now as you prepare your heart to receive God's Word, we pray that His Spirit would use the sermon powerfully in your life. Well, this morning we got a lot of work to do. Just before we go into God's Word, I want to remind you that we're in a series entitled uh, The Church, Its Purpose, and Why It Matters. And I want to let you know today that the church matters a lot. The Church of Jesus Christ, locally and universally, the church matters a lot. I want to remind you, last week we looked at the question, uh, what is the church? We dove as deep as we could in the time that we had to answer that question, what is the church? This week we look at a, another very important question, and here's the question, uh, who exactly belongs to the church? Who belongs to the church? And the subject that is going to be before us today is the subject of church membership. And maybe you're here in this room today and you've never, ever heard a sermon on church membership. Maybe you're here today, you're visiting for the first time, you've been visiting for a few weeks, and you don't even know what that means. When you think of membership, you think of Costco. When you think of membership, you think of Good life, the gym. Been a while since I've been there. I need to get back. But when you think of membership, you don't think about the church. But the Bible, I believe, has a lot to say about it. This morning, loved ones, with God's help, and I want to reiterate that, with God's help, uh, I want to challenge you. This morning, with God's help, I want to give us all a sense of wonder concerning what it means to be saved by the grace of Jesus Christ and what it means then to belong to the church of Jesus Christ, the family of God, the body of Christ, God's building that he is building. And so today we're going to be confronted with a question and a choice. And again, I'm really leaning on God's help to help us to understand this and what it means for us, a question and a choice. Here's the question. Do you belong to the church of Jesus Christ? Do you belong to the church? And here's the choice. Will you belong to the church? That's the challenge that's going to come our way. And we're going to grab some truth from God's Word. I want you to take your Bible right away and go ahead to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, we're going to be reading verses 41 to 47. If you don't have a Bible today, you can slip up your hand, and one of our ushers are coming up and down the aisles. I'd love to put a copy of God's Word into your hands. If you don't have a Bible, that Bible will be our gift to you. We'd love you to take it home and read it and have your life changed by the Word of God. Acts chapter 2, verses 41 to 47 the earliest moments in the life of the church of Jesus Christ. Let me start reading from verse 41. The Bible says, So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. It's talking about the beginning, the birth 
of the church. Verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed, notice that, all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple, notice it, together, and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. Notice this. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. All right, we're going to jump in and we're going to seek to answer two crucial questions this morning. And if you have a pen and your sermon note card, you can start with this, answering two crucial questions. Number one is this, who belongs to the church? Who exactly belongs to the church? I want you to know, answering this question, who belongs to the church, is actually quite easy and straightforward uh, biblically. We're going to get to it. But before we dive in, I want us to understand a bit of the beautiful and glorious context of the passage that I just read in Acts chapter 2, where the church of Jesus Christ was birthed, where the ecclesia was found on the earth and beginning to grow and advance. Here's a bit of the context. The Lord Jesus Christ, the creator and the sustainer of the universe, the God-man, God veiled in flesh. He had just been betrayed and arrested and crucified and miraculously raised from the dead. His band of disciples were scattered. They were fearful. They were fumbling. And they were filled with uncertainty concerning this Jesus and his inaugurated kingdom. Jesus appeared to his disciples and many others for a period of 40 days after his resurrection. He appeared to reassure them. He appeared to reinstate them. He appeared to teach them. He appeared to prepare them for the coming Holy Spirit and for the birth of his church and for their mission to make disciples all over the earth. As Jesus ascended to heaven, he gave them the great commission. Jesus said to them in Matthew 28, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Unsure and insecure, the disciples, having received this commission, went back to Jerusalem and did the only thing they knew to do. They got to the upper room and they began to pray together. 
Not long after that, with the sound of a mighty rushing wind, you can read about this in Acts chapter 2, the power and presence of the promised Holy Spirit had come upon them, filling them and empowering them. And in that moment, the disciples all began to declare the wonders of God in other recognizable tongues. There on the day of Pentecost, People from different nations who had gathered from far off marveled that these Galileans could speak their languages and immediately there was a glimpse and a foreshadowing of the power of the church of Jesus Christ to reach every nation. The Bible says that Peter stood up in the midst of the bewilderment of the crowds and he began to powerfully bear witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ and his gospel. In Acts chapter 2, 37, the verses just preceding the verses that I read says this, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized. Look now at your Bibles at verse 41 again. In this context, the birth of the church, the powerful proclamation of Peter and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Notice it in verse 41 of Acts 2. It says, so those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. I want you to notice those who received his word, were baptized and added. Here on the birthday of the church of Jesus Christ, the ecclesia, we have our first clue as we seek to answer the question, who exactly belongs to the church? And the answer very simply is this. Those who receive his word. Those who receive the word of God, those who receive the gospel of Jesus Christ, those who receive this message and are cut to the heart, those who turn from their sins through repentance, put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, those who are baptized as a demonstration of the miracle that has taken place in their heart. It is them who are added to the membership of the church. And immediately in Acts 2.42, we begin to see the activities of this new church. We read it. This ecclesia, this assembly, as we saw last week of the called out people of God, these people who have received the word, immediately we begin to see unusual devotion among them. And we begin to see such radical concern for one another among them. And we begin to see transcendence and glory among them. Something has happened to them and something keeps happening to them. This ecclesia, as they gather together, I want you to notice it on the screen verses 42 to 47 of Acts 2. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Notice this, notice it. And all who believed, all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions 
and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need and day by day attending the temple. Notice this together. Breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. Watch this. And the Lord added, and the Lord added, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Absolutely remarkable. The church of Jesus Christ is made up of those who have received the word. The church of Jesus Christ, not only locally, but universally, is made up of those who belong to the family of God through saving faith. They received the word, they were baptized, and they were added. A couple of things I want you to see again as we focus on this question. Who belongs to the church? Firstly, I want you to see that the very definition of the word church, we saw it last week, ecclesia in the original Greek, exemplified right here at the inception of the church, tells us who exactly belongs to the church. It's right there bound up in the definition of the word church. Who are these people that we just read about? Well, they are the called out ones. Who are the called out ones? Well, it's these earliest believers in Acts chapter 2 who are devoting themselves, they are giving themselves to the teaching of doctrine, to the fellowship, to the Lord's Supper and prayer. In other words, they are those who have received the word. They are those who believe the gospel. I want you also to see that this is central to the meaning of the many images of the church given to us in Scripture. For example, we saw last week, who belongs to the church? Who is the church? They're the body of Christ. Those who are part of the body through saving faith. Who are the branches that are connected to the vine? John 15, those who abide in Jesus Christ through saving faith. Who are the living stones being built into a spiritual house in 1 Peter 2, verse 4? It's those who have come to him. That's verse 4 of 1 Peter 2. Loved ones, the church of Jesus Christ, both locally and universally, is made up of people from every tribe and tongue and people and language who have received the word of God, turned from their sin in repentance, and turned to Christ for salvation, and they are brought into a family, and they form an active body, and they know and experience and share the love of God through Jesus Christ, and their purity and their beauty and their unity is on display as a distinct people for the world to see. Who belongs to the church? Those who have received his word. Now, maybe you're sitting here saying, why is that so important? Well, it's an important question that we needed to tackle because historically, Christians have fumbled over this. But in our day today, many fumble through this. This matters. This question matters because in many places in the world today, one can hardly tell the difference between the world and the church anymore. Ask the question, who belongs to the church? And you look at the church and you say, I don't know what's different about these people. I don't know how to answer that question. Who belongs to the church? Because they look just like the world. And because many churches and many Christians don't even know the difference between the church 
and the world, we need to answer this question from the Bible. Who belongs to the church? Because in the name of relevance, the local church has lost its power in these days. Because the very thing that God uses to impact the world around us is the nature of who we are. Salt and light. We are distinct people. We're to be different. We are people called out of darkness by God. And when the church fails to understand who the church is, it fails essentially to be the church. And that is more than tragic. We need to clarify our ecclesiology. We need to understand not only what is the church, but who belongs to the church. It was C.H. Spurgeon who said this on the screen. He said, I believe that one reason why the church of God at this present time has so little influence over the world is because the world has so much influence over the church. He said, put your finger on any prosperous page in the church's history, and I will find a little marginal note reading thus. In this age, men could readily see where the church began and where the world ended. Never were there good times when the church and the world were married, joined in marriage with one another. The more the church is distinct from the world in her acts and in her maxims, the more true is her testimony for Christ and the more potent is her witness against sin. There's a strange notion out there among church leaders and pastors that if we can look as much like the world as possible, then maybe we'll have some kind of evangelistic impact on the world because maybe they'll see that we're like them. They shouldn't be threatened by us. They could come into our churches and maybe they'll come in and they'll feel like, oh, this is not too threatening. This is not too offensive. And maybe they'll come to Jesus that way. The problem is that's not what we see exemplified fight in the Bible, anywhere. In fact, as we seek to answer the question, what is the church last week? And we, as we answer the question, who belongs to the church this week? You understand the power of the church of Jesus Christ in the world is in its distinctness from the world. That the world looks, they may not love us, they may not run to join and listen to what we're saying, but there's something that the world takes note of when they see the purity and the unity and the glory and the transcendence of God amongst the people of God. You see, we lose that transcendence when we try to be like the world. We lose the glory of the distinctness of who we are when we try to be like the world. So why does it matter that we answer this question, who belongs to the church? I'll tell you why it matters. So many churches all over our city and all over our country, you walk into it, you can hardly tell the difference between the world and the church. May it never be so of this church. Who belongs to the church? Let's answer that question very clearly. Those who have received his word. In Acts chapter 2, it is those who are cut to the heart. It is those who have repented of their sins. It is those that have put their trust in Jesus Christ. It is those who have been grafted into the family of God, into a new covenant faith. It's the people of God, the ecclesia. So, here's the question for you. 
do you belong to the church? You say, well, I, I come to church every week. No, that's not what I'm asking you. Do you belong to the church? You say, I listen to the podcast every now and then. That's not what I'm asking. Do you belong to the church? Have you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ to save you from your sins? Have you recognized that this world has nothing to offer you? This world cannot save you. If you were to pass from this life into the next, this world has nothing to give you to rescue your soul from eternal damnation. Have you recognized that there is one Savior, there is one solid rock, it is the person of Jesus Christ, died and raised for my sin and in my place. He loves me, he forgives me if I will come to him. Have you come to Jesus Christ for the rescue of your soul? And if you have, you belong to the church of Jesus Christ. And if you haven't, you can belong to the church of Jesus Christ today. You just have to come to Jesus and recognize that the world is completely bankrupt. It has nothing for you. But Jesus saves and maybe there's even one person in this room today. You've been thinking that just coming to church is a, is a check mark you check off the list. And if you can just get there, then you have more brownie points with Jesus. And maybe, maybe one day he'll accept you into heaven. The gospel is much too glorious to think such small thoughts. Jesus loves everyone. And if you would put your trust in him, you could be saved. If you would turn from your sin, you could be saved. And not only will you have your eternity secure, but you will belong to a glorious family that will radically change the way that you live and the way that you walk through this life for the rest of your days. Answering two crucial questions. Who belongs to the church? Finally, we can make a note of this. Why membership in the church? Why membership in the church? Notice in your Bibles, verses 41 to 42 now. The Bible says, so those who received his word were baptized. Notice this. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. I want you to notice the progression that I see in the text. Those who received his word were baptized, then they were added to the church. I want you to look at it on the screen. In other words, why membership? Because it's the biblical and theological pattern. Salvation, baptism, membership. Now we're going to talk more about the ordinances of the church, namely baptism and the Lord's Supper in the weeks to come. 
Very important for us to understand. But for now, I want you to recognize this progression. Salvation, baptism, membership. Notice also that the church was made up of an identifiable and defined group that Luke, the writer of Acts, seems to be keeping track of. I say that there was an identifiable and defined group that Luke seems to be keeping track of because of the obvious and I believe intentional recording of the numbers and the growth of the church in the New Testament. In Acts chapter 241, he notes that about 3,000 people were added to their number. In Acts chapter 247, he notes again that the Lord was adding to their number day by day. Who? Those who were being saved. By the time we get to Acts chapter 4, verse 4, Luke notes that the number of men came to about 5,000. In Acts chapter 6, verse 1, we're told again very intentionally that the disciples were increasing in number. And Acts 6 in particular seems to convey that it was getting harder and harder to keep track and care for everyone since the situation that arose in Acts 6 was a complaint from the Hellenists that their widows were being left out of the daily distribution of food. So somehow there was a list of widows that they were keeping track of. In fact, that's exactly what 1 Timothy 5.9 tells us. We're told that the church actually had a list of the names of the widows that needed the support of the church. To solve the problem in Acts 6, the apostles went to the church and raised up leaders or deacons and were, who were full of the Holy Spirit and of good repute. Let me ask this question as you consider these texts. How could the apostles and the rest of the church know who is who? in the midst of thousands of people? How could they consult the church and get feedback from the church on who should be appointed to this particular task in the church, in a church of thousands of people? Well, there must have been some mechanism, some identifiable and defining uh, factor who belongs here, who is who. Must have been some mechanism of membership. By the time we get to Acts chapter 11, a great persecution had broken out against the church in Acts chapter 8, and they were scattered from Jerusalem towards Judea and Galilee and Samaria. And the Bible says in Acts 11.31, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Listen to Luke. It multiplied. The church multiplied. The scattering of the church didn't weaken it. It only strengthened it. And no longer was Luke keeping track of the ecclesia by addition. Luke was keeping track by multiplication. This thing is growing. It is growing fast. It is growing strong. It is increasing. God is no longer adding to the number. God is multiplying their numbers. Groups of believers, the ecclesia, the church, were being formed everywhere such that councils were being organized in Acts 15. Letters were being sent between them in Acts 15. Missionaries were identified and sent from among them, Acts chapter 13. Prayer meetings were the lifeblood of their common life together, Acts chapter 12. What does all of this tell us? I believe it tells us that it mattered a lot to the early church that they were together together 
mattered a lot to the early church that they knew one another. It mattered a lot to the early church that persecution and hardship didn't cause them to run away from the gathering, but it caused them to run to the gathering. It tells us that they cared for one another. And it tells us that somehow they were organized. That there was a mechanism of membership that enabled them to know and care and train and send and communicate between the churches that were being established. Remarkable. They didn't have buildings that people flocked to and they, the pastors could just say, oh, a lot of people were there today, so that means we're doing okay. There was some mechanism in place. When we planted this church here nine years ago, literally hundreds of people have been in and out of here. Hundreds of people. You say, no, that's, that's exaggerating. No, literally hundreds of people, hundreds of wonderful people have been in and out of our church over the last nine years. We've concluded over the years that the only way to function faithfully and effectively and fruitfully as a church is to somehow follow this biblical pattern. Salvation, baptism, membership, leading to tremendous fruitfulness. Membership then becomes absolutely critical for us here in this local church. And I'm praying that membership becomes very important for you if you call Hope Church your home and you've been saved by the grace of Jesus Christ and you've been baptized or you're ready to be baptized so that you can be added to our number so that we can care and love and know who you are. It's the biblical pattern. But more specifically, I want to launch from Acts chapter 2 to a few other places of Scripture, really briefly, but I pray in a meaningful way to help us understand why the need for formal membership. Because for whatever reason, when you raise formal membership before Christians in our individualistic society, much of the response is, no, no, I, no like, I'll do other things, but I don't want to do that. I'm not, I'm not ready for that. Why? Why? I believe it's because we don't understand what it is we're doing here and who it is we are, what is the church, and who belongs to the church. All right, so if you have a pen, I want you to write these things down. Very important. Why the need for formal membership? A few thoughts. Number one is this, because it's how we live out the biblical images and the one another's of Scripture. For example, the image of an interdependent body in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. That image doesn't make sense if no one knows who's actually part of the body. You ever thought about that? I think that person goes to our church. Not sure. That person for sure. It's because I see them a lot, but not sure exactly why theologically I think they belong here. But the image of an interdependent body makes no sense without membership. The image 
of living stones being built into a spiritual house in 1 Peter 2 doesn't make sense if the stones aren't interlocked with one another, signifying a connectedness that necessitates knowledge, knowledge of one another. And you can't obey the commands to love one another, to forgive one another, to serve one another, to be devoted to one another, to encourage one another, if there's no defined and identifiable body of people that you're called to relate to in these ways. Did you know that these are commands? Love one another. You're commanded by Scripture. Who's the one another? It's the ecclesia. It's the people of God. It's the called out ones. You know, you're commanded to forgive one another. You say, well, I come to the church. If someone hurts my feelings, I just go somewhere else. Where do you get that notion? You are commanded to forgive one another from Scripture. If someone hurts you in the ecclesia, in the church, amongst the called out people of God, if someone hurts you, you are commanded to forgive them. We're commanded to serve one another. How can I serve you if I don't know who you are or who belongs here? Membership is needed, firstly, because it's how we live out the biblical images and the one another. Secondly, membership is needed because it's how we obey the command to submit to our leaders. Hebrews 13, 17 gives the church a clear command. Here's the command, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account Loved ones, you cannot obey the command to submit to your leaders unless you are committed to a local fellowship with defined leadership. If you bounce around from church to church, you are under no authority. You're not under the authority of any local church, and therefore you cannot obey this command to submit to your leaders. You see how high the stakes are? You see the implications? There are commands that we cannot obey without membership. Thirdly, membership is needed not only because it's how we relate to one another through the biblical images or how we obey the command to submit to leaders. Thirdly, it's how leaders can obey the command to lead and care for the flock. I just read Hebrews 13, 17. It says that leaders are to keep watch over the souls of Christ's church. Wow. We take that so seriously. It's not a light command. Keep watch over the souls because one day you will give an account to God. That's the, that's the call upon the life of the elders and the pastors. We will have to give an account. Acts 20, 28 says, Be, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to do what? to care for the church of God, which he has obtained with his own blood. Who should, we being, who should we be paying careful attention to? Who, who are the ones that we as leaders are going to give an account for? Who? That's an important question for me as a pastor because if I'm going to stand before God, I need to know who exactly am I going to be giving an account for? Who am I supposed to be paying careful attention to? Is it the person who comes in once every two months? 
Am I supposed to pay careful attention to them? Am I supposed to chase them around? Is it the person who attends every week but has no other connection or accountability in the life of the church aside from Sunday mornings? Am I supposed to just somehow hunt them down amongst a few hundred people? Is it the person who never, ever shows up but they make regular donations to the church and they feel like I'm, I'm listening to the podcast, I'm tithing, I'm giving. Well, thank you, but who am I supposed to give an account for when I stand before God? Membership allows us to know and care for and lead those who have identified themselves as part of this local church so that we can give a good account of the souls we know are members here. Membership is needed because it's how we live out the biblical images and the one in others. It's how we obey the command to submit to our leaders. It's how leaders can obey the command to lead and care. Finally, membership is needed. Note this, because it's how we are all held accountable when church discipline is needed. When church discipline is needed. Oh, Let me just tell you, the Lord Jesus Christ takes his church very seriously. And the Lord Jesus Christ takes the purity and the distinctness and the witness of his church very seriously. That's why there are at least two clear places in Scripture that highlight the seriousness with which the Lord Jesus takes the purity and the distinctness of his church, and two places that provide instruction on how to deal with unrepentant sin within the body. Did you know the Bible gives us clear instruction with how we are to deal with unrepentant sin within the body? We don't turn a blind eye. We don't shove it under the carpet. We don't say, oh, they'll get over that. We'll just, we don't want to ruffle any feathers. No, we have to deal with it. On the screen, 1 Corinthians 5, 1 to 2, and then 9 to 11, Paul writes this. To a tumultuous situation in the church in Corinth, he writes, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you. And of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans. He says to the church, it is reported that there's some sexual immorality happening among you and it is worse than even the people outside the church. So he has to deal with it. He says, for a man has his father's wife. And he says, and you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Don't you mourn over sin like this? He says, let him who has done this be removed from among you. Then he says in verse 10, not at all meaning that the sexually immoral of this world, he's saying not the sexually immoral of this world, or the greedy and the swindlers and the idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world, he says, though. But now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who, listen, bears the name brother. If he is guilty of sexual morality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. What he's saying is, don't expect Christ-like behavior from people who are not Christians. If people happen to make their way in the church that are not followers of Christ, or you see people out there that are engaging in sexual immorality, understand that that's what they're going to do. you got to bring the gospel to them and help them be set free. We don't judge them. We judge the people in the church. He says the ones that are distinctly set apart. 
the ones that are saved by God's grace, the ones that have the deposit of the Holy Spirit, that are commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that are commanded to live righteous and holy lives. He says, we don't judge those people out there. We judge those that are in here. And he goes on to say, you got to discipline that person if you warn him, if you exhort him or her, and they remain unrepentant. The apostle Paul says, remove them. Because if they bear the name brother, if they claim to be Christians, they are doing great harm to the name of Christ through their lack of repentance and their living in a worldly way. How can we call people to account in such a way if we don't have an identifiable, defined membership? The other passage of scripture that helps us on the screen is 2 Thessalonians 3, 6, and then I'll read verses 11 to 15. Paul says, now we command you, brothers, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from, keep away from any brother, anyone who professes the name of Christ, who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. There was an issue in the church that he was addressing. There were people that weren't willing to work. There were people that were kind of feeding off the blessing of other wealthier Christians. They didn't want to work. They didn't want to provide for their families. That was the issue he was writing to. And he says, this is sinful. This is wrong. People ought to work and they ought to provide for their families. He goes on. He says, keep away from any brother who's walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. Verse 11, for we hear that some among you are walking in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. We command these people to work and earn their living, provide for their families. This is right. As for you, brothers, he says, do not grow weary in doing good. Verse 14, if anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, Paul says, take heed of that person and have nothing to do with him that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. There's so much we can say about this, but let me just say this. The idea here is that the Lord takes unrepentant sin so seriously, so seriously that serious measures are required in the church for the one who has so hardened their heart that they will not repent. When was the last time you heard someone talk about church discipline in a church pulpit or on a popular podcast? It is important. And the measure that Paul commends is sober warnings, mourning, followed by disassociation. Why disassociation? Well, the reason is to allow that the unrepentant sinner feel the alienation from the body that their sin has brought upon, that they feel the weight of their own sin, not in such a way that pushes them away forever, but somehow brings them to a place of repentance. How can we exercise church discipline? How can we alienate those in such a way that makes them feel the weight of their sins so that perhaps they will come to repentance and be welcomed back in if they don't belong in the first place? Membership is necessary in order to exercise church discipline. And church discipline is necessary in order to honor 
Christ and maintain the purity of the church of Jesus Christ in a dark and lost world. Now, as I said, there's so much we can say about this, but here's the question for us. If God is so serious about the purity and distinctness of the witness of his church, that such strong measures are to be taken towards those who bear the name of Christ, the logical question is, how in the world are these measures supposed to be implemented without a mechanism for membership in the church? Who do we call to repentance? Well, it's those who have received the word, have been baptized, and were added to the church by some mechanism of church membership. What kind, loved ones, what kind of institution is this? It's a powerful institution. The founder of the church is the Lord Jesus Christ. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. The church is not an event to attend. It is a family to belong to. The church is not a club to hang out in. You know, a lot of unbelievers like the church because they find a sense of community. We've seen this over the years. People come to church and they really begin to like it in the church. Maybe they don't like everything the pastor's saying. Maybe they don't like sermons like this, perhaps, but they like that people love them. They like that there's a sense of community. And and there is that in the church, but that is not all the church is. We are not just a club. The church of Jesus Christ is not an institution controlled by the precepts of men and women. Jesus is the builder. His word sets the terms. And if you're a child of God, saved by the grace of Jesus Christ, belonging to the body of Christ, it is time we begin to understand the weight of this and begin to live in ways that are consistent with this reality. If you belong to Christ, you belong to the church, and belonging to his church means a whole lot more than so many of us have come to realize perhaps in our lives. Not an event to attend. God help us. God help us. We're not trying to be a church of thousands and thousands of people. Not trying to fill this place with hype. Not trying to fill this place with sensationalism. Not trying to make this place a a place where people come and say, well, a lot of people go there. No, but we want the purity of the church to be seen, the distinctness of the church to be seen so that the gospel of the church can go out in all its purity so that people who are lost and far off can come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. And may we see, Lord, that the Lord adds to our number day by day who? Those who are being saved. Now, it doesn't mean if you are not saved here today that we don't want you here. We love that you're here. And what we want you to hear if you're here is a clear demonstration of the proclamation of God's word. And if you are here today and you're not a follower of Christ, we are so happy you are here today. We pray you see the purity of this place and the distinctness of this place. And if what I'm saying doesn't sit right in your heart because it's rubbing you the wrong way, perhaps, perhaps God is calling you to lean into that because perhaps God wants to change your heart.
Now, one more thing. If you're here today and you're doing everything you can to justify why you should not become a member in a local church, if you're doing everything you can to think of ways you can be involved without becoming a member, then I would just ask you this question. Why? Why? If in your heart you're saying, wow, I I don't like this. I don't want to sign on the dotted line. This feels weird to me. I don't really want any part of membership. I've kind of liked this church, but I don't. But why? Loved ones, God's word paints a beautiful picture of what the church is. And the picture in scripture is never of a non-committal, apathetic people. Maybe, loved ones, I say this lovingly, maybe if you're resisting church membership, perhaps it's because you're thinking, I need a quick escape when things get hard and membership makes that hard for me. Or I don't want to have to be here every week. Membership makes that hard for me. I don't really want to think of other people too much right now. I just really want to think of myself, and membership makes it too hard for me. Do you belong to the church? Will you? belong to the church. I'm going to stop right here and I'm just going to allow for a moment of deep reflection for each of us. Now I'm aware that there are believers among us who maybe come from whatever situation and They're trying to find where their church home should be. I get that. I'm not saying run to be a member right now, but I am asking you to discern what is your next step. In fact, on the screen for you, we have a step one that Pastor Andrew mentioned earlier, and this will be to help you discern whether Hope Church is the place that you should make your home. Maybe you're here and, and you, you want this to be your home, but you're hurting right now. You just need a little bit of space. That's fine. That's okay. But would you talk to someone about it so we can help you, so we can support you, so we can love you? Maybe you're here, you've done step one, and you're ready to learn more, and you want to get to that step two to learn how to follow Christ with us. Maybe that's your next step. Sign up for that and let's take the next step together. Maybe you've done both and coming out of the pandemic, you've already been baptized or not yet and you're thinking, my next step is to follow the biblical pattern and be baptized and then added to membership, or maybe you've been baptized, but you haven't gone the next level of becoming a member. Maybe that's your next step, loved ones.
So many different churches do it in so many different ways. I just want you to hear the heartbeat of our elders. We want to help you. We want to help you live life not in isolation, but as God has so designed for your good and for the good of the church. Maybe your next step is to give your life over to Jesus Christ. And you can do that today. In fact, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet right now and ask the worship team to come. And I'm just going to speak for a moment to people in this room who maybe you're sitting here. You say, I, I found this church somehow. Someone invited me here, but I haven't surrendered my life over to Christ. I haven't renounced by repentance the ways of the world. If I die today, I don't know where I'm going to be. And I want to be saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. And if that's you today, you can simply pray with me right now. And if you're a believer in this place, would you pray for those that perhaps are not believers, that they would turn from their sin and put their trust in Christ? Pray with me. Lord Jesus, I recognize that I am a sinner in need of a Savior, that I don't belong to the church locally or universally because I'm outside of a relationship with you. But I need you right now, Jesus. Maybe you're here and your life is just falling apart. Or you feel like you're so far gone. How could God accept you? I just want you to know God looks upon you with grace. You don't come to Jesus based on your own work and your own merits. You come to him based on his work and his merit on the cross in your place, paying the penalty for your sin. Would you come to Christ today and belong to Jesus and belong to the church? Lord, for anyone in this room that needs to turn and come to you, they may not have all the answers, but Spirit of the living God, draw them, draw them to yourself. Maybe the rest of us are here, and for whatever reason, we're just starting to get our bearings back after the pandemic. Maybe we're members, but we haven't been living like it. Maybe we're not members and we need to be. Maybe our heart needs to be filled with faith today again to know if we would step towards God's good purposes and plans, he would do marvelous things in our lives and among us as a church and in this city and in this world. But we got to do things God's way. Then we find the blessing that is found. Lord, I pray you would help us all to commit to your way. Not the words of a man today, but your way, oh Lord. I pray you guard us from imbalance, guard us from the whispers of the enemy that seeks to lie to us or snatch the seed that's been tossed out, the seed of your word. May your seeds land on good soil taking root. And I pray and trust right now 
that you will galvanize and gather this church in a way that we haven't ever seen before. I pray so. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. If you agree, say amen. Amen. For more resources and information about Hope Church Toronto West, please visit hopechurchtw.ca.